Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's podcast time once again. How you doing, Maggie? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. You were just in Atlanta. Now you're back in LA. You're going to be back here again soon. Life is crazy. And we'll be talking about that and hearing more about that. Yeah, uh, on I know. The podcast today. I think it's crazy because I was out here for a good while, a few months at a time. And now that I've been home for a bit, now I miss home more than I did before. Like, I'm See, that's the thing. This was what I noticed. This was the trip where that switch between what you call home changed from Atlanta to LA. I don't think I don't so. Know, I don't 100%. know if you realize. I, I still you know? consider both home. They're just okay. two separate homes on either Got sides it. of the country. <laughs> well, it's interesting to say, you know, when is Maggie coming home? And to hear you say, I, I need to get home. I can't wait to get home, meaning L.A. Yeah, but so I call as both a parent, home. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to, to hear, you know? Yeah, I You bet. want to be home. But that's the, the circle of life. The journey <laughs> of your kids is that they leave you and they start their own lives and create their own homes. And their own families one day, hopefully. Uh, let's chill out. Let's 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 chill out. On I'm that getting one. ahead of myself. Maybe we should just. Um, oh, I don't know. Roll the roll intro, the intro music. music. <laughs> yep, let's do it. Mags and dads, wholesome chaos. Mags and dads, wholesome chaos. What a week this week has been. A good week. Yeah, a good week. A really good week. A really busy week. Definitely busy. <laughs> and you know what? You're in California now. I'm going to California today too. Oh my gosh, actually. Did you know that? But you're going to San Francisco. San Diego. Right. So same north, thing. south of you, not north of you. <laughs> gotcha. Not the same thing. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's not close to me. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's only a six-hour drive. Oh my jump, gosh. Jump in the car. Did you I'll pay know? For gas. <laughs> did you know that American Airlines doesn't have TVs on their planes? Yes, they do. No. I watch on, them all the time. No, not on American Airlines. American Airlines has no TVs on their plane. That's not true. That, that is, is simply true. Not true. That is true. Maggie, are you talking about their screens like you watch movies? Yes. You can you watch them on your own device. They don't physically have screens. I okay. Not on all their planes, though. Ayo, but get, on your own device? No, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's on all planes. Get mom to fact check it while we, while we continue this podcast. <laughs> because I, I recently, last night, I flew from East Coast back to LA. Um, and I was on American Airlines because somebody else had made the flight. And I, I was in a good seat. Like, they, they put me in first class. It was I was so excited. I had never been first class on American. And wow. it's like a six-hour flight. And I sit down, and there's no TVs. How crazy is that? I don't know. Pretty crazy. <laughs> good thing you had a device. You still don't believe me. 
I just, I think, you know, any blanket statement like on all American planes, that's not true because I've seen TVs on American flights. Well, I've been on a lot more flights than you have. Here's the thing. I kind of assumed that at first too, but when Blythe and Josh picked me up at the airport, I made that comment and they said that our friend Gabe like swears by American, but he said that, yeah, American doesn't have any screens on their flights. So huh. who's to say? Okay. But yeah, thankfully I had my iPad on me and it was at 60% and it lasted the entire flight. And actually I'm, I'm still using my iPad now, like for this podcast, I haven't charged it yet. And it's on 2% and it's still, it's still kicking. iPad batteries are insane. <laughs> well, do you need it to get through the po- the podcast? Nah, it's Do you good. need your iPad? It's good. good, but I think it would. I think it would last. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost Christmas time. I've really started to get serious about shopping. Really? In that I'm thinking about shopping, but I haven't really <laughs> still bought anything yet. Gotcha. I don't do a lot of shopping. No. Mom does the shopping and we don't, you know, we don't buy a lot of stuff. I um I was thinking about your question last week. You were asking me about whether you prefer to give gifts or receive gifts and mm-hmm. we talked about that a little bit. I was thinking about the question sort of like that. Would you prefer to receive a gift or an experience? And as a, it's kind of a wide open question. Yeah. But in general, do you have an answer for that? Uh, my answer, I don't think you're going to like it. My answer is depends on the gift, depends on the experience. Um, yeah. You know, if someone buys you a ticket to a concert of a band you don't really like that you have to drive an hour for, that's not a great experience to have received. You know what I mean? Um, but also, if it's something you really do want, I, I just think it depends, you know? Right. It, that, that's a good fair answer. Yeah. It's a very safe answer, though, too. But it's true. I'd say, yeah. I would say as a gift giver, I would prefer to create experiences with people I care about rather than give them perfect gifts. I guess it's, you know, both. But it's not my strength. I'm more of an experience guy. I think that's my strength as opposed to picking a perfect gift. I don't think I'm good at that. But you can also get someone a gift that they can go have experiences with, you know? Like what if someone bought you an entire new set of clubs, like golf clubs? Golf clubs or juggling clubs. Yeah. You know, either one. I think you just really have to get to know a person to best determine as far as you can what they'll enjoy. And it could be someone you know super duper well and you could still miss. (laughs) It happens. Uh, But you just got to try your best, I guess. You know what happens um, when people when you know that somebody's really into a certain hobby mm-hmm. or something like that, and you're like, "Oh, I'll get them a gift related to their hobby." That when people generally try to do that, I think they usually miss because if somebody's really into their get into a hobby or a sport or something like that, they're very particular about the kind of equipment they want to use or the things that they like, mm-hmm. and you know that, and you want to get that particular thing. I remember one year I got this golf tool, which was like a like a um, you know fold out knife and scissors, and it had all these gadgets and contraptions. And it was the idea was like every golfer is going to want this to carry around in their pocket. Mm-hmm. It even had a tool which was like a circular metal thing that they called the ball rounder. Huh. The ball rounder, as if your ball somehow <laughs> gets out of round, and yep. by squeezing it into this metal thing, that it'll make it more round. That nice. was a great example of a, of a golfer's gift that no golfer would ever want. I'm going to get you that this year. 
Um, <laughs> but that's the worst, right? The worst is to get something as a gift that you know, I don't want this, so I'm just going to put it in a drawer or throw it away. And uh, it's not good, right? Like there's, there's See, a certain amount of stuff that just hangs around. I also think you could go into it with the attitude of like, okay, this is something I would never get for myself, but I'm going to try it and see if I can actually use it or find some sort of enjoyment with it or re-gift it or something like that. Like there is, or give it away, you know, donate it. Like there is some sort of use. That's good. I love how you think about that in terms of like the lifelong use of something or the sustainability of a gift that you purchase or the quality of things. I think that's important to your whole generation in a different way than it was to say my generation. Is that fair? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think overall my generation is just very aware of what we do and how it impacts, not, not like, um, fully, like this isn't an ultimatum, like every single person in our generation like cares about this, but overall I feel like as a generation, we care a lot more about how our personal actions affect the environment and where things end up when we actually throw them in the trash. You know, they don't magically disappear. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. we're just, we, at least I try to be conscious of that. Um, even like, you know, there was a whole exodus of people from dairy over the past 10 years of not not even just my generation, but a large part of my generation um, not wanting to drink milk um, because of a lot of different health reasons or personal reasons or whatever. Um, and so the jump was to almond milk. And then some stuff came out about how harvesting almonds at the scale that was necessary because of everyone going for it. It was actually also not great for the environment. So there was another jump to like oat milk and cashew milk and all this stuff where you can like see it in the numbers of like sales and everything. And I think it's honestly really cool because it's people changing certain things in their lifestyle because of the impact it's having on things around them. And I think that's really cool. Um, but also mm-hmm. with like shopping, um, the whole fast fashion. Fast fashion meaning to find that term. Oh, okay. I don't want to define it where I like sound dis- like an idiot. Like disposable clothes? Like, like <laughs> clothes that are-, that are made cheaper and not made to last, uh, not really made super like environmentally conscious. But yeah, they're just made rapidly, crazy fast production and not made to last. So you could wear it for a little bit, but ultimately it's not going to stick around and then you're going to have to buy more. Um, and kind of this like cycle. And throw it away. It just yeah. kind of ends up in a landfill. Okay, yeah. I'm with you. And, and that's another reason why you like to shop like Goodwill and like second type around stores, things like that. I love thrifting. Literally, Blythe texted me right <laughs> before this and she texted me and she just said Crossroads, question mark, which is this thrift uh, place near us that we absolutely love. And it's dangerous because every time we go in, we buy something because it's that good. But I... I think thrifting is a huge thing for my generation because it's fun, because your clothes are more like unique or whatever, but also because of that impact. So when you're shopping for someone, if you're shopping for someone who like you see those choices evident in their lifestyle, then I think shopping for them by shopping at sustainable places or stuff like that, you're actually going to get a gift that they're going to appreciate more. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds great. Absolutely. The other thing um, is not just the environment. That's a big part of it too. But you mentioned like 
dairy, people could have like animal concerns or people have thoughts about workplace conditions or like like businesses that support causes that they believe in or that Mm -hmm. treat people well or that support human rights. Like all of that's coming much more into the the psyche of the shopper. The consumer is now, now aware of this concept of, okay, there is a supply chain. Things don't just show up in my store. They come from somewhere. They're created by people or systems and processes. And so now we have a a level of responsibility. It's like one of the things that we can do is support like businesses and products that are congruent with our beliefs. Um, It's like my friend Andy Kasherik said uh, when I was younger, and I never forgot it. He said like every dollar you have is like a vote for Mm -hmm. something you want to support and you believe in. And so think about it like that when you buy stuff. Which is really overwhelming in a sense. <laughs> right. You know? And you, to your point where you started, it's like not that you can do this 100%, but I think the idea is to the degree where it's necessary or where you do have a choice, where you do have a choice and you can affect an outcome, just become more congruent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So thinking, speaking of becoming things or congruent things, tell me about your week. My week. Oh my gosh. When did it even, when did it start? I was home. I was home at the beginning of this week. (laughs) Home, Atlanta home. (laughs) Now I have to specify that. That's weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we spent a good bit of time together with family, chilling, having fun, playing pickleball, all the good things, eating lots of food. And then I was preparing to go to my grandpa's funeral on Saturday. And Thursday, I got a call um, of my team alerting me that I was recently cast in this upcoming project that we we knew I was kind of close for, but we didn't know if I'd got it and we knew production was starting soon. So we had kind of like pushed it to the back of our mind, but not really. But like, that's the thing you have to do with acting is like, we've talked, my dad and I have talked about this before. Like your job as an actor is to audition, like provide them with the character that you have created to come to life. If it's not in line with their vision, then that's okay. It's not your job to get the part. It's your job to like offer that character And so after you audition, you just kind of got to let it go because it's out of your control at that point. So I was trying to let it go, trying not to focus on it too much. But Thursday, we got the call saying I got it. And it was crazy, crazy exciting. And I flew out. Fun fact, by the way, Maggie, mom and I both have video of you getting that call. (laughs) Yep. And and jump in like I love it because you could totally read in your body language when you got the news. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And And it was like right away they needed you, right? Yeah, I flew out the next morning for um, a fitting and some some hair stuff and all that jazz. And then the plan was get there Friday, start filming Monday and just kind of spend the weekend there relaxing, preparing on my part. But I had the funeral on Saturday. So I flew Friday to fitting, flew Saturday morning to Chicago for my grandpa's funeral, which was really, really good. Beautiful ceremony. So great to see family. Um, And then flew back to shooting Sunday and then started filming Monday. So it was a lot. (laughs) 
had a flight every single day for four days straight. Um, but it was it was so cool. And like genuinely, like that's what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Grew up acting, always knew I wanted to act. Like even before I like started booking things as a kid, I I just like knew that that was what I wanted to do. And so a few months ago, I decided like this is something I want to be intentional again uh, intentional about again and get back into put in the work and all that and so to finally get to this part of it is just so so incredible and I'm so grateful and like the whole thing I said this like a million times the whole thing was like covered in prayer and support from like all those all my friends and my family that like when I got it it was like a group celebration it was like no we got it like like we all did this um and we, so yeah. you got it while we were doing the push in the pool videos too like, no, like that was well no, well we were, we're, it was that the, same time yeah we yeah, were doing the time. the head bob trend tiktok when I got the call <laughs> <laughs> which is so, so silly Mom and I are so proud of you and, you know, just trying to imagine it with you and what that must be like to really be dropped into a circumstance where you don't know anybody. Like, you don't yeah. know the people you're going to be working with. You recognize some of the people you're, whatever. It's like, wow, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then for you to just have that confidence to say, okay, I've got this and and go forward. How how did that feel? Um, It's so crazy because I actually had a really interesting thought the night before filming. I'm a person who my nerves and anxiety show up very physically on me. Um, I have psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, so I get tremors when I get really stressed, and I don't want to eat when I'm nervous, and I, like, will try and go to bed and just, like, wake up shaking. Like, I'm I'm a very physical person with my anxiety. Um, And so that was... I was... It was crazy. I was talking to my friend Bree about this. That whole few days before, I felt like my mind was in a lot more peace than my body because, like, my nerves were just like, ah. Um, but I had a thought where I was like, it's going to be okay, though, because you're going to do it. Yes. Because, like, that's just what you do. Like, this this is your job. You're going to do it. And the crazy thing is, no matter how nervous you are right now, in 72 hours – it's going to be done. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like no matter what you do, it's going to keep going, which means eventually it's going to be over. And I just, I really wanted to make the effort to enjoy every aspect of it instead of letting my nerves win. I was like, no freaking way am I going to let my brain make this any less crazy and amazing as it is. Like the people I was working with, just like everything. I was like, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, and that's why my brain was so good, but, like, the nerves did affect me a little bit, like, physically. But just that night, in the morning, and the second I was, like, on set, I, I was like, yeah, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and it, it was a lot better. That's so amazing. And you're not done. You're going to no. go back and yeah. do more on the on the project. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. I mean, and the crazy thing about it is – this was, do I have this right? Like you did a lot of auditions when you were here in Georgia still, like self-tape auditions. Mm-hmm. But this was one of the first, <laughs> if not the first audition you did when you moved to LA. Yeah. Is this, that right? This was the first. Okay. <laughs> but I did a lot of auditions since. 
You know what I mean? Yes. Like it was the exactly. first, just you're right. Like since I moved out here was the, or actually. There's a great validation in that in like. It might've been the second. The risk, <laughs> the risk versus the reward. Yeah. Like not, nothing great happens in your life if you play it too safe. It's, yeah. it's really just a fact of a fact of life is you have to put yourself out there and take bold risks and take bold actions, you know, in order to accomplish something meaningful and experience something wonderful or to affect change in a big, big way. Um, you can't play it safe. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like my mindset right now and like over the past few months largely shaped by you and mom, but also very much of just maturing and like getting older, I guess, is I've realized how how like anxious and nervous I get about things where I'm like putting myself out there, um, like acting, like singing in front of people, like even meeting new people. A lot of people think I'm very, very extroverted, which I can be, but when I meet new people, I'm usually pretty terrified <laughs> and I'm usually a lot more quiet. Um, but yeah, when I go out to do new things or just like put myself out there, I'm really nervous. And I came to the conclusion that the only way that that is going to get any better is if I continuously and intentionally put myself in those situations that are going to make me a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm surrounded by so many people out here who are so confident, like going up, talking to strangers, making jokes with strangers. And I vividly remember my first time visiting out here or no, my second time visiting out here before I'd moved here, um, being with like Frankie and Jericho and Asaf and like all those people and seeing their interactions with other people, like rolling down the car window and just making conversation with someone and like it's striking fear inside me and me being like, oh, that's so cool that they can, but I could never. And now I'm just like realizing like, no, I can. I just have to be intentional about it and like work towards it. And so like, I'm really excited for that journey and I, I think I'm already on it. Is this like, is this a father moment for you? Cause you've been telling me this for years and it's just now clicking for me. <laughs> I can see it's it. It's a good moment. Yeah. It's definitely a good moment. Yeah. Cause I remember growing up, there was definitely a shift when I was younger. I was really fearless. And I feel like you and mom very clearly could see when that changed. And when I became kind of a person who didn't want to go to talk to people is that correct? Like, did, were you very aware of that? Mm -hmm, definitely. And and I don't know what happened or if it was just a matter of a self-awareness that you got in your life. Yeah. That you were just, you know, super conscious of like what people thought of you or how you looked. I don't know what it was. But, but we all get that way. I mean, we all, what I said in my speech, and I literally just finished a virtual speech in the studio <laughs> here, was don't ever presume that somebody you see like they look like they have it all together don't ever presume they're okay or that they're yeah. co completely confident or even that they understand their own strengths and how great they are or their uniqueness or whatever um because we all operate from this place of very precarious confidence mm -hmm. and it, it's amazing how you know even for me it's like that could get shaken in some way and and suddenly you just don't have the same resourcefulness yeah. that you would otherwise have. Yeah. And honestly, I think it was a combination of things for me. I didn't have the easiest time in school. 
literally transferred schools when I was younger because I was not having a good time with people and was crying myself to sleep every night. And mom was like, we're not doing this anymore. We're putting you in a different school. And so I think that was part of it, of just like becoming very aware of how people perceive you and people not being the nicest. And so it makes you want to just like shrink back a little bit and be like, okay, well, if they can if they can see me less or if I can just put a perfect polished version of myself forward and that's what everyone sees, then people aren't going to have anything to make fun of um, or stuff like that. So I stopped kind of being a little bit more outgoing, I guess. Um, but I don't like, even know if you understand the power in you describing this so well right now because, Maggie, what, you, what you're experiencing and describing um, is so common like yeah. I'm sure right now in their listeners right now, people are just nodding their heads going, oh my gosh, she's like describing what I feel and what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, and so that's super helpful. And and I just, for the record, I will say this may be our most mo- motivational podcast yet and you're the one <laughs> leading it. <laughs> I, I do realize that, but no, I'm like, I don't know. Recently I've just, I guess, felt really empowered by it. And like, you know, people always say like, oh, if I could go back and like, tell my high school self this or like my middle school self this but like genuinely like oh my goodness I wish I could just go back and like shake myself and be like stop (laughs) caring like you're giving them power by being less of you like it's so frustrating oh my gosh I'm literally about to cry right now (laughs) I'm very emotional at the moment um but no I'm I'm glad we're having this conversation (laughs) Me too. It, it kind of ties in really well to a question. Um, I want to read it to you if you don't mind, because you can, I think, connect this directly to your experience with the project. Hi, Mags and Dan. I loved, I've loved listening to your podcast, particularly Dan's motivational talks and Maggie's carefree positivity. I'm a cross-country skier and runner from Alaska and I race competitively. I've always struggled with extreme pre-race nerves and often feel that I let small things sabotage what could have been a good experience simply because I'm so nervous and or anxious. I was wondering if you have any tips to get past nerves in order to enhance performance and overall be more present in the moment. Love your podcast. Keep up the amazing work. Parada. And uh, so uh, an Alaskan cross-country skier, which is like... That's a, if you're going to cross country ski, I would think that'd be the most amazing place to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I was listening to you describe some of the nerves and the feeling and like the the fear of like, am I going to miss this moment? No, I don't want to diminish the excitement and the experience or put myself at a disadvantage when yeah. I'm showing up for a test. Like this is, I, I really, this is important to me. It's what I've trained for. It's what I want to do in my life. And now it's here and I'm at that critical moment and summoning that, like your best skills at that moment uh, or summoning confidence, right? I think that's what it is. How do I summon confidence at the moment that I need it? Mm-hmm. And so you, you described some, some great ideas for that. Um, and what I heard in your description was all about perspective. You mm-hmm. were like, okay, I'm going to move through this moment. Yes, it's going to be weird and intense and difficult and uncomfortable, and but... I know on the other side of it, I will have done it. Yeah. And so you're able to get the perspective from the end looking backwards and say, I don't want to regret anything about how I've dealt with this. And so I'm just going to be present in the moment 
and, and the other thing that that I try to think about is like when you think about a challenge or a test or a speech or whatever it is, you think about the whole thing all at once and the enormity of this thing that you're going to do and you're trying to like absorb all of that in one moment or one emotion. And you don't have to do that ever. All, you can only experience it one moment at a time. You can't do it all at once. Yeah. And so if you just bring yourself back to the present moment and say, what am I doing this exact instant? And noticing like that, the focus of the moment, um, I think that helps you to put those moments together and, and get to the other side of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just yeah. going off of what you said, a bit of self-reassurance usually helps me. Um, your mind likes to play tricks on you where you could be doing something and then your brain's like, you don't, you can't do this. And like just kind of coming back at it where it's like, no, actually, yes, I can because I have like, and even if you haven't, it's just like, you know, your skill capability. You know what I mean? Like just like assure yourself that you're a cool kid and you can do it. <laughs> That's the Harry Potter and the Patronus curse. I knew I could do it because I had already done it before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I, I just, and I try to have fun and just yeah. take myself out of the experience as an observer. Like I'm in it, but I'm also observing me going through it and having have that duality of focus for me alternating back and forth. Um, it's very helpful because it helps you to stay like aware of your surroundings. And also when you do something stupid, it helps you to like watch that, that guy over there who did something wrong and, and not be so immediately attached or broken by the moment. But you can kind of like say, oh, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so now that we've... So, <laughs> Go ahead. So now that we've both been in our feels a little bit, do we want to lighten it up with some Christmas letters? Yes. And so this came from your mom and she was downstairs in our closet of where we keep all our kids stuff. And she came back with some letters. Um, and I think you have, do you have two or do you have one? I have two and they're letters that I wrote. <laughs> and I have one that Eddie wrote, which we did not get his permission to read by the way, oh. but I'm going to read, I'm going to read it anyway. But um, why don't you go first, and then okay. I'll do Eddie's, and then you do your second one. This is a poem. Is it a poem? I don't know. This is a story I wrote called Deers. <laughs> and there's, there's artwork. I'm sure mom will put it up. Um, deers, deers, deers. Tall like deers, soft deers, brown, wild, pretty deers, skinny, fat, small deers. Those are just a few. Tasty deers. Long deers. Mm. Don't forget the white deers. Last of all, best of all, I like nice deers. Wait a sec. I was kind of rhyming. That was actually a really good poem. The punctuation was terrible. I will be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't read that before either. Um, How was the spelling? Spelling was always your issue. Actually, spelling looks good, but it's also typed, so I probably had to spell check. Probably. Do you know how old you were when you wrote that? I do not. I have no idea. Okay. I hope Do you young. remember writing it? I don't. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go, you go. 
All right. So this was from Eddie. And the first thing we got from Eddie, which we didn't read, was crazy. It was like a Thanksgiving letter written from the perspective of the turkey. Oh, no. Who was, who was watching all of his relatives be, be slaughtered. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Although in Eddie's version, they were, they, they were like, um, you know, it, it, what's that? Oh, okay. I won't give it away. We're going <laughs> to save that for next Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. But this is a, a Christmas letter from Eddie. Dear Mom and Dad, remember the first time we had Serena at Christmas? Serena was our dog. Yes. Really sweet dog. Very sweet, uh, gentle, um, beautiful little black dog. My, uh, she was from the pound, so I don't even know what kind of... Do you know what she was? <laughs> Is it critical? Is it critical to the story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. We said she was a Labrador Dotson mix. It's not critical to the story. I just want the listeners to have a very uh, like clear picture. Okay. And now that I've interrupted myself for so long, I'm going to start over. Okay. Dear mom and dad, remember the first time we had Serena at Christmas? She even had her own stocking. Shockingly, it was just as big as ours. <laughs> what about when we had mom's parents over for a couple Christmases? Nona June played the piano while we sang along. Well, all of those are nice, but nothing compared to this Christmas. Maggie singing, Serena being weird, you know, that kind of stuff. This year, when Christmas Day comes, we will have the best presents and a whole lot of love. You know that everyone needs a little Christmas every year. <laughs> we are included in the everyone. <laughs> I love you so much, and I hope you have the best Christmas ever. Love, Eddie. Aw, that's so sweet. He was 11 when he wrote that. That's nice. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was a little bit better than mine. Uh, but let's see if I can <laughs> redeem myself with I this don't, one. I don't know. Yours was diff- just different. It was creative. I think this one's a little better. It's called I Need a Snow Day by Maggie Thurman. I need a snow day right this second. I want a blizzard tonight. First, I would go outside and make a snowman. Then, I would go bury my brother. <laughs> 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 After that... <laughs> After that, I would slurp hot cocoa. Oops, I forgot about Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, Eddie's still buried. I will race outside (laughs) and dig in the snow to find Eddie. I found him. Finally, we'll go to our bed and dream of visions of sugar plums dancing in our head. Or is that Christmas? I don't don't get that question at the end. I imagine I was trying to do something profound. Um, well, I think you were trying to say it started with a snow day theme. It ended up as a Christmas theme, and you're not sure how you got there. I think that's just a self-awareness. I'm glad Eddie was okay. And and mom says that one was second grade. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those are good. I, uh, yeah, so we need to keep uh, looking through that stash. Yes. This is good content. Good call okay, on what, that, mom. Good call, Mom. <clears throat> All right, this is one more question and from Jack. Jack is a nine, uh, he's 19 years old, a second year junior, a second year junior in college at NYC. I'm starting a corporate internship in January and I'm taking 12 credit hours in my next semester. I feel like I'm 
going to have so many responsibilities and demands next semester to the point that I'm spreading myself thin, but I'm also not one to back down from my goals. I was wondering if you had any tips on how to properly manage my time because I still want to be a normal young adult while working toward my degree and starting my career. Love you guys. You make my week. Jack. Thank you, Jack. And awesome that you're getting after it and you have so much going on in your life and still the desire and the presence to want to enjoy your youth and enjoy your environment and your friends. So I know when I read that to you just once before the podcast, you said, oh, that's a good question, Maggie. So what did you, what did it cause you to think of for Jack? I think you should take this one. You got it. Well, okay. (laughs) Um, Spreading yourself thin, I would say has been the story of my life. Spreading myself (laughs) thin. Uh, How do you find ways to get things done with a little bit less time or a little bit less attention or just to create the process for thing moving something moving forward or learning it really well the first time you hear it. Um, and so essentially what you're trying to do is in- increase your capacity for learning, increase your capacity for living, and you can only do that by taking on more than you can handle or more than you were handling. And then you realize, I can handle more. Now at some point, obviously, that breaks down and you have to think about the sustainability of how long can I keep this up before I make myself sick, before I lose my sleep, before I'm not no longer productive and, and like putting forth really uh, uh, great offerings to whatever project I'm involved with, contributions. Um, and so it's what I'm, what I'm saying here, and I'm not saying it perfectly well, is you're playing with this line and trying to figure out where that line is between enough to keep me interested and excited and growing and moving and feeling like I'm just crushing it, and too much. And that line's going to move and drift and change. So what, what you really should be able to figure out is say, like, try to figure out early when it's getting to be too much, to detect those moments where you're starting to get overwhelmed. Like, What are some of the things in your own psyche that are, are clues that you're starting to go on a spiral in terms of energy or depression or just feeling anxiety or stress? And no longer is it productive. And then you have to figure out, like, what are the things that pull you up that get you back into a mode of being engaged and fulfilled and and renewed in life? Um, And then in terms of, like, how do you enjoy your childhood and your friends and being 19 years old and being in college? Um, Again, it's all around you, so pay attention to the environments that you're in. Be fully present and aware but then you have to make certain choices that, you know, I, I, call, I wrote a book called Off Balance on Purpose, which means you can't be everything to everybody. You can't achieve balance in a perfect way throughout your life. But moment to moment, you're going to be off balance, invested in something in front of you that's meaningful. So make it on purpose, make it your choice, connected to a sense of meaning and um, importance to you. And then balance is something you can only think about over a period of time. But uh, like, in, like in college, I was paying my way through college. So I didn't attend, uh, I only attended two football games at the University of Georgia, which, you know, especially this year, incredible football school, SEC school. And, and it was a big part of my college experience that you could say oh, I missed out on it. But no, I take ownership of the fact that I made other choices. I wanted to be building my business and working and yeah. You know, I, I took great satisfaction from that as well. And for me, it was cool that I could do both. Yeah, that's powerful. That, and that's like so true is you're going to 
depending on your choices, sometimes you are going to miss things that everybody else is doing and that you want to do. But like, I think, I think you said it great, like remaining confident in those decisions and being like, no, there's, there's still work being done on these aspects and stuff like that. I got that in high school. I worked weekends. I only ever got to go to, I think like one or possibly two graduation parties um, because I was always working. And it was something that like I beat myself up over for a long time, like in school, because all my friends were going and it was like FOMO, you know, you're missing out on all that stuff. But now looking back at it, I'm like, well, I got to do things in high school. Like I got to go treat myself to like go get my nails done or or buy nice presents for my family and friends because I put in those hours and because I worked and I I got to start investing early because I've been working since I was like 12 years old. And yeah, I hadn't even thought about putting like kind of that confidence and just like assurance behind those choices. But I think that was very well said, Dad. Well, thank you, Maggie. <laughs> it's kind of my job <laughs> saying things. <laughs> and we've said a lot of things on this podcast that I'm, re- I'm really um, grateful for. It's been a ma- an amazing time. Um, so if you have questions for Maggie or for me, or for both of us to discuss together a topic you'd like to hear on this program, go out to wholesomechaos.com and you can check it out. There's a a place there to submit questions. Also to learn about us, to see some of our videos and um, some information that you can use to help your family to improve your own communication, to set bigger goals and to support each other in life. Yep. You can also follow us on our socials. It's Dan Thurman and Maggie Thurman on everything except TikTok. My dad is Maggie's dad, one, two, three. Um, And yeah, you can follow along with us there. We post a lot of content um, along with the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, tell your friends, listen to it, and let us know how you like it. Yeah. And and I'd like to say to the audience, to to you listening right now, that we... You probably don't think that we think about you, but we do. We are so grateful for you being out there. Even if you don't reach out to us and tell us that you listen or ask a question, like knowing that this podcast is supported and it's it's going out into the world and and resonating with people is is so huge because we think you're amazing. We think you're you have so much potential, excitement, uniqueness. Um, and, and so much to offer and give to the world and anything we could say or do to help you unlock that and to give you some tools to navigate through life. Cause let's face it, life isn't easy. Uh, we can get through it together and we can laugh through it together as well. So stay tuned. And if you know people in your life who would benefit from this podcast, please turn them onto it and grow the audience with us. And, uh, and we'll see you again next week. And I think next week you'll be back in the studio if I'm not mistaken, but you know, who knows? Who knows? Like that's that should be our motto, like a big T-shirt. That should be our first product. Our merch. Who knows? Our merch is just who knows. (laughs) Who knows what we're doing next week? Not me. We'll figure it out when we get there. And um, and you're great. I love you, Maggie. I love you, Dad. We love you, everyone. Take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Can read a song Maggie wrote. <clears throat> oh no! Wait a sec. Oh yeah. Wait a second. What do you What do you got there? Okay, this is a this is a song that you wrote. 
Um, and ju- judging by the spelling, it was first grade. First grade. <laughs> oh no. Um, and it's also kind of relevant to what you talked about today. All right, this is Maggie's poem <laughs> or song from first, first grade. <laughs> I miss my old place that I called home. I miss my old place that I called school. I used to laugh and play, but hey, hey, now let's go and play. <laughs> I used to think that canon meant war, but no, it's a place my heart adores. Okay, Canon being her preschool. Yeah. See, you've been a poet a long time, Maggie. Oh, was that the whole thing? <laughs> but but you spelled you didn't say adores you said odors. Okay, the, the spelling was horrible throughout the whole thing. But it's the thought that counts. The only thing spelled right was I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>